0: Like I like, for example, just say there's a weekly sales meeting. Okay. Make sure marketing is in that conversation. Like if you're a marketing leader and you're trying to get more ingrained with the sales team, have the marketing leader go run that win loss analysis that we talked about. You're listening to sunny side up a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and today I'm super excited to have Bob Marsh come join our show and talk about the future of sales. For all of you that don't know Bob, Bob is a keynote speaker and growth leadership expert who has spent time um, in his career building high-performance teams. As a salesperson, executive, and tech company founder and CEO, Bob has won business from the top brands of the world, raised millions of venture capital, sold two companies, and lives in the trenches as an active CRO, chief revenue officer. In addition, a keynote speaking, uh, to keynote speaking, Bob is a CRO of Blue Water Technologies, who is one of the nation's leading audio visual technology and live event companies serving clients, including Rocket Mortgage, General Motors, Forbes, and hundreds of, other, of others. Bob has brought his message to audiences at events, including Dreamforce, Saster, Sells 2.0, and HubSpot's Inbound, and has been published by Fast Companies, Inc. and Harvard Business Review. My goodness, Bob, that is a lot to say. Welcome Hello. to the show. I'm excited to connect with you.
0: Hey, thanks, Amber. I'm so glad to be here. I appreciate you guys reaching out. I love what you're doing and just honored and thrilled to be part of it.
1: Yeah, well, thank you for uh, taking time to provide your expertise to this group. I know we are here to talk about the future of sales and what that is. But before we get started and talking about that, can you tell us a little bit about your journey, where you've been and where you are and um, where you're going
0: Sure. Yeah. So, so what? A, what a great time to be talking about this topic. There's just so much change going on right now, which we're definitely going to get into, of course. But, but thrilled to be here with you to discuss it. So, uh, so my my quick background. So, when I I really I love talking about when I first started in sales. Uh, I was in retail. I mean, like the most basic thing. Like during college you know, on summer breaks and over the summer and over over uh, holiday breaks, that kind of thing. So I was a golfer. I played golf competitively in high school and in college. So I just loved the game of golf. So I worked at a golf store, so made sense. And I remember, uh, I'll never forget, when I my last day, I was graduating from college, I went to my manager, like wrapping everything up, and he goes, you know what, I got to tell you, you're the best salesperson I've ever seen. <laughs> and and my, my my first thought was like, gosh, this guy must've been running a pretty crappy store the last 20 years. <laughs> but, but the other thing that really like grabbed my attention or what, what, what the reason it like rattled me was like, it was a nice comment, but I never felt like I was selling anybody anything.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that
0: I just felt like, cause you know, I was doing my thing. Like I love to talk about golf, teach people about golf, figure out what they needed. Like that was kind of it. I just felt like I was helping people make choices. So someone sure. comes into a store and they're like, well, this is what I'm looking for. Oh, Tell me about your game. And I just was, would figure it out. And that was it. And it's funny. I feel like that approach is really what made me interested in getting in sales in the first place, because I just liked mm-hmm. helping people solve in that case, you know, it's hard to call it a problem, like figure out what kind of golf equipment you need, but like it was really about helping people. So, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I originally got into sales. So uh, my first job out of college was at Xerox Xerox in the time. This is in the in the late '90s. Regarded as one of the top sales organizations in the world. Incredible training program. So I did that for a number of years, and then I, I started up a, a web development marketing company. Uh, that I did that for a few years, and then I joined a, a really exciting company called ePrize. 2000. It was a great growth story. I'm in Metro Detroit area, and when I joined the company, we're doing around a million dollars in revenue. And 12 years later, we sold the company, and it was uh, you know well over a hundred million dollar exit. So
1: Amazing. I really
0: learned about growth. I learned about how to stand out with your customers, uh, how to be an expert the importance of having a little swagger sometimes because customers are looking for help. Um, and some of the concepts that I call surround sound that we'll get into. So, so after I did that, I started my own uh, technology company called Level 11, uh, venture capital backed, SaaS startup. We focus on the world sales technology and sales metrics to help manage a team effectively. And that's where I really started getting into speaking, um, largely to build our brand, but I really loved it and felt like I was making a difference. And so now I'm doing a lot more of that in addition to my role as the Chief Revenue Officer or Blue Water, who we do, you know, worldwide events and, and integrations that help kind of people in the new workplace. So, which I'm happy to touch on.
1: Oh, That's great. You've had a quite a career uh, ambition for all of us. That's um, been fun. Well, let's dig, yeah. Let's dig into the future of sales. So, you and I were talking um, a while back about how sales has just changed so much in the last five or ten years, mm-hmm. um, but obviously, definitely since COVID. So I'd like to get your perspective on the problem that's going on in the marketplace right now, but also where do you think the future of sales is going?
0: Yeah. So, so that's such a big topic right there. So, so you know, I would say there, there's a lot changing right now. And really, like this has happened in so many different ways in our lives as well, is that the amount of change that ha- that's happened just in the last two to two and a half years is almost like 15 years of progress compressed into two. Right.
1: Yeah. The same thing yep. has
0: happened in like we've seen it in e-commerce, we've seen it in video and broadcast. There's so many different elements of the world where we've seen this compression of change, and that's really happened in the world of sales as well. And I think part of the challenge that everyone needs to be aware of is that customers, or think buyers, like their expectations of what, how they want that buying process to work is changing a lot faster than a lot of sales organizations are adapting. Um, And I think that's kind of some of the things, of course, that we want to get into. So I I saw this stat recently to bring it home that um, it was in early 2021, so like right in the middle of COVID basically, right? Uh, And McKinsey had had interviewed some of the top brands and top executives out there about about, um, how customers felt about the buying process, their interaction with salespeople uh, in the middle of COVID. And they said, They said 80% of them said they have no interest in going back to the old way of working with salespeople. So you think about that. Like you're in the middle of COVID when we're all dealing with, you know, how do I get in touch with my customers? How do I build relationships? I can't even be in person, all this. And and through everything, it felt so hard. But 80% of customers say, I prefer this way.
1: Well, what well, was the old way versus the
0: new way, by the way, Bob, for those yeah, out there? Sure. Like when I think of the old way, I think a lot of it was very one-dimensional. And so so what I mean is like it was is wait for a customer to call me. And some companies were much more aggressive and proactive in how I, how I go find customers. But, you know, we would meet with someone in person and we would kind of do our typical kind of sales pitch. We would handle, you know, uh, overcome objections when they come up listen to what the customer wanted, deliver them the solution, um, and then kind of wait and kind of let the process there. If it wasn't moving fast enough, then throw some fear, some fun, throw some fear and certainty and doubt at it and try to strong up a decision. I think yeah. one of the things that, that really changed in COVID were a couple things in particular. I mean, one is the most obvious is that, you know, doing more calls over video, right? And we were, a lot of people just didn't like it. It's just, it's, it's one of the many different realities of this new world. Um, thing that the customers liked about it though, is flexibility. Like they didn't always want to, they want to meet with us in person too, but like the ability to flexibility to get access to more people. The old, what i would say the old way pre COVID was also very much about kind of relying on salespeople for information versus in mm-hmm. the middle of COVID, you think customers need to go find this information on their own. They're, they're, they're searching for information online in social media because they can't interact with other people as much as they were before. Um, there's also the challenge of because we were meeting all remotely. That those same customers had to learn how do I sell an influence inside my company, like I don't have the walk down the hall and run into an executive. I don't have the random check-ins where things happen in the hallways. Like we need to learn, the customers need to learn to sell better internally as well, and they're not they're not really experts in it. So, so I think as you, as we move forward, it's it's embracing this idea that customers are are now demanding that salespeople are more experts in what they're doing and helping advise customers on how to make the right decisions. They're carrying themselves with probably a little bit more confidence because they're saying, I need someone who can tell me what to do because I don't mm-hmm. have time to go through all this evaluation. I need someone to help shape the decision for me. They're, we've learned how to empower customers with better information and consolidate it down so they can kind of help sell things internally versus saying like, well, no, we'll just have a meeting and I'll join you and, and I'll do all the selling myself.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> So it, you brought up an interesting point, though, with the like the change, but also the digital revolution that's happening at our mm-hmm. fingertips right now. Like customers have access to information more now than of, ever because we're at home, we're on our computers all the time. There's just everything that's going on online. Um, marketing teams are doing such a great job at putting out content, um, and sales. There's kind of that how do sales and marketing collaborate to actually engage with the buyer. But with the digital revolution, leading customers through the buying journey has changed, and mm-hmm. having sales and marketing aligned is obviously more important now than it was probably twenty years ago, or even ten years ago, um, or five or two years ago. So, how do you think about this? How do you think about sales and marketing being aligned? How do you think about like best practices that sales and marketing teams should should do and provide when they're thinking about this transformation and engaging with the customer in the new way? Mm-hmm. But um, kind of through that orchestration of the sales motion for for the customer and, and what they're trying to accomplish.
0: So the, you know, this idea of sales and marketing alignment, I think we've, you're right. We've been working on this for about 25 years. And <laughs> some companies, yourself included, like have been doing a really you know, a really better job of that. Like any kind of modern company had, done, had been doing well. But then when you throw in what we've gone through the last few years, it's now like, The most progressive companies will continue to have good sales and marketing alignment, but everyone else—it's a must-have. Like you cannot work and operate with any amount of success in today's marketplace without sales and marketing being completely aligned. And so, 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 like, I'll give you an example. Like, so here, so the company where I'm at right now, that so Blue Water, I joined the company about four years ago, and we definitely needed to make that transition. uh, Prior, when when I joined the company, kind of one of the observations that I made is that is that we were we were serving demand, and we needed to change to create demand. And that required that we needed to get sales and marketing pulled together, and the function of marketing, as we saw it, was about generating demand for the sales organization. Now, how do you do that? I think it's, so you talk about decision-making and how do you pull people in at different times, it's understanding, what does that complete customer journey look like? From the minute that someone contemplates, do I need a solution? What do they go look for? And so, you know, I experienced this at my last company as well. As I always felt if someone's going to go research the general broad category of our industry, whose stuff do I want them reading? I want them reading our stuff. So we needed to be content creators. We needed to have, you know, I hired multiple journalists to kind of be in my marketing team to say, go look for stories. Find out what's on a customer's mind so we can be at the very top of that marketing funnel to make sure that we're going to mark with educational content and then when the customer comes in this is what i talked about the idea of being an expert before is that as a salesperson your role is to truly be able to probe and understand the client's business and you need to be an expert in their world too so I'm advising my customers through the decisions that they have to make. I understand what they're going through. And marketing helps support me with content and material. And it's things like case studies, but also thought leadership and tips and, and buying guides and, and this sort of a thing to help mm-hmm. a customer move through the process. Like I always believe that, you know, sometimes you get late in the, in the sales process and a customer's like, I'm just trying to narrow down all my this, all these decisions. I've got all these proposals and all this stuff. Help me boil this down. And that becomes part of the salesperson's job. And a lot of times marketing can help creating documents, creating PDFs, creating you know, published material to help consolidate all those confusing topics into something easy to make it easier for the customer to make a decision.
1: Yeah. Well, it's hard because obviously the customer is not just having your information thrown at them, Mm -hmm. right? They're also having your competition's information thrown at them. And, you know, shiny object here, shiny object there. So how, (laughs) so keeping the customer's attention is also has become incredibly difficult over the years because there's more information online. There's more information about your competitors or about, you know, the information that they want your customers to consume. So what is the, the new way customers want to buy, right? What is that new way and and how do we adapt as sellers? I'm sure you we have plenty of salespeople on this call listening to this podcast and this, uh, this recording, and they'd love to hear kind of any secrets you have for them about Um, How do we how do we engage and how do we um, keep our customers attention on us versus our competitors?
0: Yeah. So uh, there's there's several different parts of that. So like one is to get someone's attention in the first place. You know, it, it is, I think, through genuine advice. Ideas, stories to go read. That's where case studies are always so important. Or I -hmm. learned this about your business. Here's how I think we can help. So you kind of have the the very top. How do I get their attention? Then then there's also little things like if we have a if we're having if you're having a a, a, meet even a Zoom meeting with with a customer initial introduction. Just maintaining people's attention just on a call, right? so we're all easily distracted like well let me just like move my head over and check my email really quick oh i got a text let me try to hide it under the camera like so if you're if you're going to really be a skilled salesperson you've got to figure out how do i keep the conversation going asking questions minimizing how much i'm talking asking could to keep someone's attention that is vitally important in today's kind of especially this remote meeting setup is like i've got to keep someone talking because that's the only way I'm going to maintain maintain their attention use of material and this is where like again going back to your prior thing about uh sales and marketing alignment having beautiful visuals and things that you can put up on the screen to help again keep someone's attention become so vitally becomes so vitally important so I think those are those are some of the some of the elements when you talk about how customers want to buy and and you're right they've got just floods of information coming at them like whether it's from you and your competitors or it's stuff they're finding and searching online on their own. Or maybe even I, what this always happens is all that gets amplified by all their internal stakeholders saying, emailing, saying, Hey, someone has said to me, t- t- someone sent this to me. I thought you'd be interested. Or I Googled this. I thought you should see it. I was at this. Yeah. I thought you should listen to this. They're like, Oh my God. Like I can't, how do I consolidate all this all this information coming at me from so much everywhere, information and I don't know what to believe <laughs> like and I don't have time to siphon through it so but this is the part where if you believe and understand that and, and 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 embrace the fact that all this information is coming at your customers who are just human beings trying to make good choices and they're they want to they want to do good in their job and look at internally if you understand that all of this flood of information to me that's the opportunity because mm-hmm. that's your chance as a, as a seller to take the, role, the leadership role to help that customer consolidate all that information, break it down in easily digestible chunks. The amount of times that I've seen, you know, pages and pages and pages of information, a salesperson thinks like I've given them all the detail they'll ever possibly need. And I look at it and say, yeah, but here's the problem. They're never going to read it. You might as well have not sent it at all. Simple things like I've summarized your decisions into a simple list. I've broken like the critical parts of your decision into one slide. I've given you multiple recommendations, but here's what I think you should do. It's up to you, but here's what I think you should do. That simple act of providing a few different options, not too many, not too little, and then saying, here's what I think you should do. Customers want that. They want you yeah. to put your put, stick your neck out and say, I'm an expert in what I do. I understand your business. Here's the options, but this is my recommendation. They want that. They need, their, they need that guidance and help now more than ever before because of all the things we talked about, because there's so much information coming at them.
1: Well, I, you brought up a really good point about, and I see reps doing this left and right just sending content. Oh, I saw this. Or you know, they're in an active uh, sales uh, process or sales um, journey or whatever you want to call it. And an active opportunity in your pipeline. And you're throwing them information left and right. And none of that information is actually relevant or important. To your point, people are not going to read you know, that 200 slide PowerPoint with all <laughs> the little things that you have or the one pager about this and the one pager about that. Yeah. So what kind of tips do you have for sellers about really like constructing and, you know, you, you mentioned giving them recommendations, not too few, not too many, but also, you know, how, how to work with marketing content to engage with your buyer. So obviously we're not marketers. Um, but what, what, uh, how do we take marketing content and make it relevant to our customers? Do you have any tips?
0: So I think one of the one of the most basic things that I have done uh, and, and helped others do successfully is to go through like sit with your marketing team, go through the content that's available blog posts uh, white papers webinars, whatever it might be, and identify the four five six different pieces of content that you feel are most are going to be most helpful to you within it. and I like to build like an inventory I say all right and they When I'm in my prospecting stage, here's my like four pieces of content that are my most favorite. And when I say like most, like that they resonate with you, that you truly deeply grasp and understand the purpose of them. If I've got projects that are like mid cycle, mid mid opportunity versus lower funnel, like late stage, like have your just your few handful of go to pieces of content that you can go reliant, that you can go reliant. I think that's one simple thing that very few people do. Mm-hmm. So I think the other part is to make sure that you're regularly meeting with marketing to discuss some of the content that you need. So I'm a big fan of doing um, win-loss analysis. So, and if marketing can be part of that, it's really powerful. So like, what, what I like to do is say, I mean, just get or get in a room. It doesn't have to be, you know, a, th- a three hour meeting. Just grab a couple of salespeople and say, hey, come to this meeting. Bring, come prepared with two opportunities you recently won and two opportunities you recently lost. And whenever we're going to go around and, and answer a few different questions, for those that we won, where did it come from? So what, how did it initiate? Like, where did that lead come from? What what were they looking for? How long did the process take? Why did we win? Just simple summary. Why do you think we won mm-hmm. this week anybody else? Okay, done. And then for the losses, which I think are even more important, the same thing. Where did this initiate? Uh, was there any point during the process that you feel you felt this was getting out of control, like that you thought it was going in somebody else's direction? OK, now, in retrospect, after we know that we've lost, what do you think you could have done differently that might have helped us win? It's not a guarantee. The kind of conversations that you the, the kind of information that you uncover in those conversations is like marketing gold because you start Mm -hmm. realizing like, geez, I could have actually overcome that. I just didn't have the material or I, I wasn't thinking properly, you know, that way. And so when you can look in retrospect, um, that, that always makes a really big difference.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that that's key is really thinking about your wins and your losses and reflecting back on them and thinking about what, not just like, what could I have done differently, but what worked as well? Like what content was did I send over? I've noticed some top reps are ones that spend a little bit more time on customizing the content to make recommendations to your point earlier. Like what mm-hmm. this it's obviously your choice, but this is based off of what I've heard recommendations. I personally have loved content that marketing creates that can be customizable and really easy to to use based off of the unique situation a customer's in. So you know, like we do a lot of crawl, walk, run um, content mm-hmm. that you can, you know, mm-hmm. move things around depending on the situation that the customer's in. And so it's very re- repeatable without reps having to spend a lot of time. So Yeah,
0: that's great. You know, the other thing yeah. is, and I love that kind of thing that you can kind of build it if you want to, um, is mm-hmm. to, to also think about like, what is the content that I want to have? At my, so I talked about like, make your list and here's my favorite post and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the other part is, is to also build it by by persona. So the different type of people that you're talking to. So like as an example, like if you have a very technical buyer, all right, here's some content that they're gonna want that might make them feel better about us. Yeah. But then there's other times, like this is one of my this is one of like my consistently most successful things that I've seen do is like a salesperson is working with their day to day contact. But we all know it's someone more senior within the organization that's ultimately making that decision is that getting somebody else in your organization, whether it's the head of sales or the head of marketing, head of product or the CEO, whatever it might be, to have them reach out to that more senior contact just to make a a make open up that line of communication. So and you're going to have a very different type of content for a senior executive than you are for a day to day kind of technical buyer. And so, yeah. if you break down that content of the type of person you're reaching out to, because a lot of times the the technical buyer might say they're making a recommendation, but the senior person is ultimately making a decision, like they don't really want to be involved. They just want to trust the person. And if there's any semblance of a relationship where you've built trust or you've shared something at a senior level, it's like, oh, yeah, I heard of them. Oh, yeah, Amber reached out to me the other day. Like they seem great. Let's go with them. You know, there's a lot of those little tiny things you do that I call like these, just, They're tiebreakers. You just a little thing to kind of win in that tiebreaker. That's what works, too. So that persona-based content, just a few things, is less overwhelming and makes a big difference.
1: That's huge. You can't talk to a CRO like yourself the same that you would talk to a marketing ops or sales ops or, you know, an engineer, as an example, right? They're very different needs. So. Really good point, really good point. Um, I had, I'll, I'll just something. give you
0: a little story if you don't mind like because I actually yeah we had, there was a, a, a program for our own for Bluewater that we were doing recently, and we were actually struggling and and we were not getting like the the, the, the the things that we wanted out of this provider to us. and there was a very simple communication that I had with one of their senior executives and like problem solved like that and and, and the reason I bring that up is because sometimes just things get lost in the day to day. And they can mm-hmm. confuse. But all of a sudden, if you get the right person involved, they're like, oh, got it. I'm going to get the right person involved here. We're going to make the right decision. And we got your back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cutting through the noise and actually getting right. to the root of the, the issue. Yep. Um, I wanted to circle back on something that you mentioned earlier called surround sound selling approach. Um, you had talked about this, I think, when we were we were connecting. I'd love to dig into that a little bit more. And um, it sounds like something that you've uh, you've kicked off.
0: Yeah, that's right. No, thank you for that. So yeah, you know, when I was, um, so when I was, uh, particularly my days when I was selling at E-Prize, like is really where I came up with this concept, like okay. surround sound. So like the, where where it started was that, especially as I really started finding a lot more success, is that, is that I, I remember there was a customer That kind of seemingly came out of nowhere for me, and like anyone who's good at sales realizes, like that you you do a lot of things day to day that you're not really sure ever gonna like like make a difference. You send content, you drop by for a bit, meet him, you meet him at a networking event, you stay in touch, you call them and leave messages. You're like, I don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, opportunities start coming at you left and right. And other people say, like, you're so lucky. Like, all these opportunities seem to fall in your lap. It's like, no way, that is not how it works. And and what I found is that is that what I realized is that I was staying connected with my customers. Uh, and I looked at it as like I'm like surrounding them with our brand. I'm surrounding them with, with who we are as a as a company. And so like that's kind of where I originally thought of this kind of concept of surround sound. So over the last several years, I've kind of pulled it together in now, what's now a keynote speech, and it's really there's, there's a few different elements to it. Like one of them is yes. Like how do you have your message? So like anywhere they turn, they say like, Oh, I, I turn over here and I see, I, I see your company. I hear your brand over there. Yeah. So I just heard someone talk to you about like, Oh, one of my executives just sent me an article that you guys wrote. Like, that's so awesome. Like I'm just surrounding them with all this information. So like that. That's yeah. one part of which we kind of touched on. The other part of it is, um, is, is understanding the emotions of your buyer. And so, so if you remember that like any, any buyer, like they're just another human being that's trying to do a good job, right? They just, they want to be successful in their job. Um, They they want to make sure that they look good internally because they want a chance to build their career. They want a chance to kind of develop things. So a lot of times decisions aren't made internally just because they're like, I'm not, I'm not like crystal clear if I'm making the right choice. And I don't want to get, I'm going to say like get in trouble, but like, I don't want to make a bad decision and like, And, like, face the repercussions of that. So they're just kind of afraid of it. So, like, there's a part of, like, understanding the emotions of a customer and helping them get confidence to make decisions, even small decisions along the way. So the idea of, like, surround them with your message, surround them with almost, like, emotional support to understand, like, sometimes you just need to get a customer comfortable with taking the next step. We talked about that earlier, like making a recommendation. That's an emotional thing. Like, if I've got three different options and I'm not sure what to do, a customer feels like, I'm not sure, mm. and I'm, they just defer, they defer, they defer, and and then you kind of ultimately say, oh, I don't know, this deal fizzled away because it was simple as – because no one helped them make a decision. So yeah. there's the emotional side of it as well. The other part of it is, is understanding – where somebody stands, so I call it um, amplifying the senses. So it's one of the four pillars of the surround sound uh, selling and surround sound business and surround sound leadership approach. I talk about is if you understand the way people consume information, that uh, you can you can come to them and based on where they are. So as an example, if I'm very early in the sales process and I'm just looking to understand overall like the industry, I know the kind of content to, to deliver to them. If I'm later in the process and I'm just trying to push a decision, I know the kind of questions I need to ask to get the customer to realize like okay, i gotta I have to choose something. I'm going to choose your company. What's the next step that I need to take So the ability to break down the sales process and understand what's the mind of the customer to help them move along is is another big part of it so so the surround sound is is uh, encapsulates marketing, sales message helping customers make decisions and break through break through a lot of the noise on their own.
1: Sounds like a good approach to learn. Uh, I can see why you've been successful in your career if you've been doing a lot of those approaches.
0: Yeah, th- I mean, I, I've seen it. Was, the thing is I've seen this work in sales. I've seen this work at a company. I feel like there's, there's a way I think of surround sound selling. Like as a salesperson, I can be better at mm-hmm. surrounding my customers and helping them make decisions. I've seen that as a company, you know, that, that incorporates our sales team, our marketing team, our product team. Like suddenly, mm-hmm. as we think of the Blue Water, we really shifted the entire culture to be this demand generation culture, which means everybody in this building is an expert. And yeah. everybody that works here can help our customer in some unique way. And many times you get to a, a stage in a sales process and say – I, as a salesperson, not the person have the conversation, I'm going to go grab our head of IT, go grab our head of operations, have them talk to the customer and build that trust and get them comfortable with the decisions they're making. The other part of it is I I think of it, it's almost a different thing I'm I'm working on is what I call being a surround sound leader. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've been talking a lot about sales and marketing and the customer buyer, but as an effective leader of people, you really need to do a lot of the same things we talked about. You need to have really clear objectives. You need to help teach people like where they are in their career journey or how to do their job really well. You need to surround them with visibility into their goals and how they're progressing. You need to surround them with emotional support. You need to surround them. Like there's all different ways you need to kind of surround and support mm-hmm. your team members as well. Um, so this, this concept kind of fits in, in many different facets.
1: It totally does. Well, earlier you talked about sales and marketing alignment and how a lot of companies still aren't aligned on sales and marketing. So I want to take that same approach here when you're talking about surround, um, surround selling approach and having everyone in the organization being kind of rallied um, around the same thing, the same common goal to help the customer. So for companies that don't have that approach yet, what are some of the, like the a few things that they can do that you think that kind of start getting them to adapt that approach.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think you're right. There's many companies that have to get through this hurdle of, of better alignment between sales and marketing. I think one of the the, the most, the, the most fundamental things that need to happen is you've got to get those teams working together more often. Well, like I like, for example, just say there's a weekly sales meeting. Okay. Make sure marketing is in that conversation. like, if you're a marketing leader and you're trying to get more ingrained with in the sales team, have the marketing leader go run that win loss analysis that we talked about. Like too often, it's more about like, "Hey, this is our next ad. So, you know, what do you think about this?" Or yeah. you know, we wrote this content. Like, I hope you guys like it. It's like no, as what I talked about earlier, the idea of you know, in my this company, Blue Water, and then my prior company, I hired people that were former journalists, so. Uh, and the reason I, and I always would tell them, say, I want you to be thinking like you're a, like a beat reporter, right? Like <laughs> go out there, interview, interview salespeople. You heard we just want to want a project. Awesome. Like alert, go call, go call the salesperson, to interview them. Like, Hey, where did this come from? What are we doing for the customer? Tell me more about the customer. Why did they make this decision? Like, and then all of a sudden marketing starts generating material that's very sales specific, and you know that that kind of happens so i just think you've really got to get people working more closely together and the more you can get those two teams just in the in the same room having good conversations together suddenly you'll start seeing those barriers kind of fall down so that's why i mean that's how we have it here like for at blue water like i oversee sales and marketing and it's because like they have to function as one unit
1: I do like your, your topic though, get everyone in the, in the same room and get everyone, you know, everyone talking together. So, um, so Bob, let's, um, you know, let's wrap this up. I I have just kind of one last question, um, in terms of recommendations that you have. So when you think about books, blogs, podcasts, you know, videos, anything that websites, like any kind of recommendations you have for that you advise people that want to be a CRO someday or knowledgeable about this information? Um, anything that you'd recommend uh, watching or listening to, reading, anything like that?
0: Yeah, no, that's great. So, so, um, so first of all, the, um, the, there, there's, there's such an amazing amount of podcasts out there. I mean, This is a great one right here. You guys run a wonderful podcast that people learn, learn a tremendous amount. Um, I'm a big believer in like, um, especially if you want to develop into management, is make sure you're reading things that are outside of what uh, what your industry is. So, for example, like, I love to read the Wall Street Journal because it helps me understand what's going on in the greater world. Like, I don't need to know, read about live events and AV technology every day. Like, I want to know what's happening in the world at large because that might influence, like, what's happening with, with my customers. Um, so, so but that, the more specifically, I, ask your question, like, um, I'm a big fan of the Harvard Business Review. Um, they have wonderful content. It's worth the money because you just get really get kind of a zoom out on things. They have very tangible, great content. I talked about McKinsey earlier. They have a great blog and they have great content material that they, that they put out. And it can They have a whole sales category, so you, get, you can learn from there. Uh, there's also someone I'm, I'm a big fan of. His name is David uh, Premer. P R I E M E R. David has has led multiple sales organizations, been very successful in the uh, in the kind of the technology space. He now runs his own sales training uh, company, and he just has got wonderful content about you know how to how to manage the sales process effectively. So, um, so those are, those are a few things that I kind of put out there. Also, I I will have not to you know toot my own horn, but like I do have a blog on my website, which is uh, meetbobmarch.com. meetbotmarch.com uh, and I put out content about like you want to get into management? You know, are you really ready? You know, here's some, I have content on the world of sales and where we're going and you know, other little tactical tips that oh, nice. we'll share along the way.
1: I love it. So I imagine people could go to meetbobmarsh.com Yep. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, um, right. If they want to get in touch with you. Is there anywhere else that they can go? Probably on LinkedIn? Or yeah, you can, uh, can find find
0: me. Me on, you can find me on LinkedIn. Just really simple. Just uh, Bob Marsh. Um, and then uh, anyone can email me, reach out to me as well. Just Bob at MeetBobMarsh. So fully accessible if anyone has a question or I can be helpful in any possible
1: way. Oh, I love it. Well, Bob, it was so great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for coming. And I'm sure we'll have you uh, be a guest here in the future as well. Thanks for that joining. Sounds great.
0: Thank you. Make it okay. a great experience. Take care, everyone. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demandbase TV.